Well, good morning to you. I have been blessed, as I am sure you have, by the music and being able to participate in it with you. Uh, and it is a joy and a pleasure to get to be with you. Love coming to Taylor's. have so many friends here, personal friends. Brother Jerry is one of them. We had some good times at Mills Mill, playing on the baseball field down there. A lot of the memories, <clears throat> long time ago. Many, many other friends, friends of our university uh, <clears throat> that stood by us 30 years ago when we were in serious trouble, uh, in danger of closing. It was a lot of the members, leaders of this church who stood by us in difficult times. And it is not forgotten. <clears throat> now, normally when I speak somewhere, uh, I begin by saying, I send greetings to you from North Greenville University uh, and from our president, Dr. Gene Fant. But since he is a member here, I will not do that. I will let him send his own greetings when he's here. <clears throat> but uh, I am thankful to get to be here and to get to be. Now, Brother Josh gave me a little bit more of a lead time on preaching this time. Uh, <clears throat> and so, but not quite enough. He, he called me and asked me if I could preach. I said, yes, sir, that won't be a problem. I can do it. He said, we're in the middle of doing things on Psalms. I need you to preach on Psalms. And I thought, ooh, man, the only thing that I have halfway ready on Psalms that I could get ready in time is Psalm 51. And I have four sermons on it. <laughs> and so I said, well, Pastor Josh, I can preach from the Psalms, but it'll have to be four sermons. And um, your pastor was looking out for you. He said, let's don't do that. Let's do something different. And so we're going to do something different instead of me preaching four sermons to you from Psalm 51. But now we need to play let's make a deal here. Y'all know how to play let's make a deal? Uh, we're going to make a deal. I won't preach the four sermons. That's my part. Your part is to talk to Pastor Josh and say, we want you to give him time to really hone that down to one sermon, and then we want you to invite him to come back. Y'all got that down? Is that a deal? I've, I'm keeping my part. I expect you to keep your part. I expect to preach from Psalm 51 one of these days. And if I don't, I will hunt you down because you didn't keep your side of the bargain. So what we're going to do is look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <clears throat> and we're going to begin with verse 13. And we're going to <clears throat> go to the end of the chapter there, verse 18. Paul writing there, But having the same spirit of faith, according to what it is written, I believed, therefore I spoke, Paul says, we also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we don't lose heart. But though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. 
for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not on the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Now let me ask you a question, a question that you've pondered yourself sometime in the past, and that's this. Why do bad things happen to good people? You've asked yourself that question. Why, why do they? Uh, now, a lot of people have tried to answer that question, and I'm not really here going to join the ranks of those who try to offer a solution to that, even though I think there are really good solutions to it. I actually want to address a similar question. Uh, now, the reason I'm, I'm not so much interested this morning in the question of why these things happen is I'm not sure that it would help us very much. Now, you may think, well, no, wait a minute. If I knew why these things happened to me, I could accept it a whole lot more, okay? If I just understood why they were happening. Now, I, I identify with that somewhat, but let me show you why that doesn't work. Let, let's go back to our childhood, okay? Some of us have to reach way back in the recesses of our mind to get there, but uh, I'll give you a second, okay? <clears throat> now, you remember talking with your parents, and you said, look, can I do so-and-so? And they said, well, absolutely not. And you thought, well, why? What, what's wrong with that? And they explained to you what was wrong with it. And you remember what you said? Y'all are so smart. <laughs> I, I mean, I just can't wait until I'm as wise as you are. That's, that's just great. No, that is not what you said. Under your breath, and way under your breath, you said, that is the stupidest reason I have ever heard in my life. Now, as you look back on it, it wasn't real stupid. And, and see, the thing is, you didn't have mature wisdom at that time. And the problem is, we don't have mature wisdom right now. And if God even told us why these things happened, we would probably still say, mm, that's not a good reason. You know why? Because we don't have the mind of God. We don't have the wisdom of God. And so I'm not going to really address that problem this morning. I am going to address a similar one that I think is more helpful because it actually works and deals with us right where we are. And that question is this, not why do these things happen, but when these things do happen, how can I respond and be victorious in the midst of them? Now, folks, that's a lot more important question. These bad things, these whirlwinds of life are going to come to us. Folks, you either have experienced them, you're experiencing them now, or you're going to. Buckle your seatbelt, okay? It's going to happen. And so, how do we think? Now, the Apostle Paul is of an immense help to us here. Uh, he wrote on this subject uh, quite a bit. Now, let's remember, when we check to see what Paul said about this, Paul wrote under divine inspiration. So when he writes to us about how to deal with these things, he's expressing God's word to us. But I also want you to understand something else about Paul. When he wrote about suffering, he was not writing as an armchair theologian. He had experienced 
suffering, a wide range of it. He mentions a lot of it in chapter 11 of this very book. You can take time sometime to read that. He knew what it was to suffer. And so when we hear what he says, we need to hear it because he is speaking from experience and because he is speaking under the influence and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul was a great sufferer. But another thing is Paul accomplished a great amount in his life. And it leaves me asking the question, Paul, how'd you do that? In the midst of all the heartache, all the suffering, the whirlwinds of life that you went through, how did you face those things and overcome them? Wouldn't you like to hear Paul's response to that? You know, he's not here today to tell us that. But fortunately, he actually wrote it for us in the scriptures. This is how he did it. What Paul presents to us here are three props that he leaned on. Props that supported him in difficult times. And here's the wonderful thing. He didn't have those because he was an apostle. Okay? He didn't have access to something there that we don't have. These three props he had are props that we as believers have today and we can appropriate them just exactly like he did. And so we're going to look at these here. We're going to see the three props. What is it that Paul leaned on? First of all, he had an assurance of an abiding faith. And then secondly, he had an awareness that a purpose was being served. And then thirdly, he had an anticipation of a future reward. Three things he leaned on. Let's look at them. Look, look at, at, at the first one. He has an assurance of an abiding faith. Paul had a faith in God that got him through. He talks about it uh, in uh, verse 13. He says, having this same spirit of faith, according to which it is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We believe, therefore we also speak. Now in your Bible, the words there right in the middle of that verse, I believe, therefore I spoke, are either in capitals or they're in, in quotation marks. The reason is Paul is quoting from Psalm 116.10. He's quoting a passage. <clears throat> now, why is that significant? Because he's saying what went on in that day when they were quoting Psalm 116.10 and what I'm going through is the same thing. You see, that is a psalm and part of that psalm, the people gathered together for worship much as we're doing here today. And they, many of them had gone through really, really difficult times. And when they came together, in, even in the face of their difficult times, they would say something similar to this. I'll update it just a little bit. God's good all the time. And that's what, even with all this stuff you're going through, God's good all the time? And they would say, yes, because we have faith in him. We believe him even in these circumstances. And that's what he's talking about right there. In that day, they testified, back in that Old Testament, to the mercy and grace and goodness of God because they had faith in God. He said, I'm doing the same thing today. In the midst of my troubles and heartaches and whirlwinds of life, I have a faith and confidence in God. But folks, when we look at the world around us today, there are people who look at the events of the world and they draw this conclusion. 
There just can't be a God. There just can't be. Look, look at what's going on. He wouldn't let this kind of thing happen in such abundance, such regularity. Now, well, okay, maybe he exists, but if he does, he's checked out on us. Okay? He doesn't know what's going on here. He doesn't care what's going on here. Or maybe he knows and cares, and he's, he's maybe a finite God or something. He, he wants to do something about it, but he can't do anything about it. But the fact is, there just seems that there's not a God. It's almost impossible to believe in a God like that today. Uh, friends, in that respect, I know a lot of things have changed between Paul's day and ours. But this has not changed. There have always been difficulties, heartaches, and catastrophes in abundance from that day until now. That has not changed. They believed in God even in the midst of those things. Paul says, even in the midst of this, I believe and I trust God. I have that nailed down. Folks, when, when there are things that happen in your life that you don't understand, let me tell you the first thing to do Leave those things alone and nail down what you do understand. And let the things that you do understand get you through the things that you don't understand. Okay? And this is what Paul is doing. Because Paul did not say, well, everything that happens to me, I understand why it happens. I'm an apostle. Man, if I get beat up and thrown in jail, I know why it happened. Listen, Paul didn't know any more of what he went through, of why, than you know what you're going through. It was a mystery to him. But he had something nailed down, and that's this. I know that there is a God, and I know that he knows about my situation, and I know that he cares about my situation. And I know that he's able to do something about my situation. And I know that he loves me enough that at the right time, he will do something about my situation. And while I don't understand everything else, Paul says, I've got that nailed down. Folks, let me encourage you this morning. Nail that down. Okay? I know people, and I imagine you do too, that they certainly appear to be believers until hard times came on their life and something happened and they didn't like what happened in their life and they just can't believe in God anymore. You know why? They didn't have this nailed down. I encourage you, nail that down. There is a God, you can trust him. He's given us every reason to do so. Whatever happens, he knows of your situation. His heart is touched with your grief and sorrow, and there'll be a time when he does something about it, and it'll be at the right time. Paul had it nailed down. Now, he didn't fully understand. Like I say, uh, uh, he understood uh, Isaiah. God said through Isaiah, look, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. He was telling the people even in the Old Testament, you don't understand what I'm doing all the time because my thoughts, he says, aren't your thoughts. And my ways aren't your ways, says the Lord. In fact, as high as the heavens are above the earth are my thoughts than your thoughts and my ways than your ways. People, we can't figure out why bad things happen to us. But I know one thing. Bad things happen to Jesus. And he didn't lose any faith. Bad things happen to Paul and he didn't lose any faith. 
They experienced these things because these things were nailed down. Reminds me of a story out of the life of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, you know, a great apologist, defender of the faith, a uh, professor of medieval literature at Oxford. Lewis didn't marry until pretty late in life. <clears throat> and so uh, he, he had a lot of pets. He kept pets, animals to keep him company. And uh, when he came home one day, there was a stray dog on his porch. And he said, I just can't take in another dog. Okay, so he's going, no, I can't do it. Well, the next day, the dog was still there. And he said, okay, I know the problem. The problem is he's hungry. And if I feed him, he'll go away. Folks, that was a professor at Oxford. Okay. okay, so now he's got another dog, all right? So he's got to clean it up. He takes it in, puts it in a tub, scrubs it. Soap gets in his eyes, you know. He has to put flea powder on. That gets in his nose. He has to take him to the vet, and they cram medicine down his throat and put a shot in his back end. And he said, in the midst of that, Lewis says, I got to thinking, that dog is probably thinking, of all the houses I could have chosen, <laughs> you know, I, how did I choose this one? But Lewis said, you know, the dog seemed to trust me. It didn't seem to, he just still wagged his tail and he wanted to follow me everywhere. And he said, I figured something out. He said, my thoughts aren't that dog's thoughts. And, and my ways aren't his way. He doesn't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing but I'm doing it. Folks, that's exactly the point that we're making here, that Paul's making. We don't understand the ways of God, but that doesn't mean God doesn't understand them and that God's not doing what is best. And so Paul says, I've got this nailed down. I believe there's a God. He knows, he cares, he loves, and he's able. Come what may, that's nailed down. I encourage you, nail that one down and have it nailed down when the tough times come. Now, there's a second thing. He says, I'm also aware that in the midst of my difficulties, there's some kind of a purpose being served. Because let me tell you something about human nature. You probably already know it. Human beings can withstand major obstacles and opposition as long as they see some kind of purpose in it. If they can see what they're going through is serving some kind of a purpose, there's an inner strength that comes that allows us to face it. <clears throat> I was reminded of this when I read a book by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a psychologist. <clears throat> he was, in his early days, a prisoner of war at the hands of the Nazis. And uh, he was uh, incarcerated in a work camp at Auschwitz. And uh, he was brought in as part of a work crew. What they did is they brought, they just took some people to the gas chambers. They took others and just had them work until they dropped dead. And then they got rid of them. They shoveled all those bodies out. And they just brought some more in and worked them to death, hardly fed them or whatever. Well, <clears throat> Victor Frankel was brought in with a group. And when all of them died, he was still alive. And they brought in another group. And all of those died, and he was still alive. In fact, he was still alive when the Allied forces liberated Auschwitz in 1945. And later, he reflected on that. He thought, how in the world did I stay alive while all these other people died? I was not 
a physical specimen. I wasn't as strong physically as some of those people that were brought in there. What happened? And he said as he reflected on it, it dawned on him. He said, I had actually made up my mind that if they wanted to take a gun and shoot me, I'll have to die. If they want to put me in the gas chamber, I'm going to have to die. But I am not going to lie down at the feet of those guards and die like an animal. I'm just not going to do it. So what happened? He found meaning and purpose to stay alive. Now, folks, that probably wasn't the best meaning and purpose he should have found, okay? I, I agree with that. My point is he stayed alive against insurmountable circumstances because he found a reason and purpose to stay alive. Now, the same thing is true with us. Uh, in, in verse 16, look what Paul says. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Do you lose heart when bad times come upon you? Paul says, I don't. Here's why, because I've got something nailed down. Here's what it is. Though our outward man is decaying, the inner man's being renewed day by day. Let me tell you what that means in simple language that we would use today. It means when these bad things happen, physically I get weaker, but spiritually I get stronger. My outward man, all of these difficult things that I'm going through, the beatings, the shipwrecks, the imprisonments, he said, these things are taking their toll on me, you know, physically. I'm weaker. But he said, through every one of these things, I'm spiritually getting stronger and stronger. When I'm going through difficult times, okay, I, 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 I actually am getting stronger and stronger, and it is serving a purpose for myself. For myself, well, I'm able to get stronger. Well, now, how is that? Well, several years ago, well, many years ago now, uh, Dr. Vance Havner wrote an article in a Christian magazine. And it was entitled, Things I Learned in the Dark. Things I Learned in the Dark. Because you realize you can learn things in the dark that you can't learn when the lights are on? Uh, July the 4th, Independence Day's coming. Y'all gonna go to a fireworks display? Let me tell you what's not going to happen. They're not going to say, well, it's high noon, it's time to shoot off the fireworks. Because you can't see them. You see, it has to be dark before you can see that, that glorious lit sky, uh, magnificent uh, flashes of light. You can't see them. Well, folks, the same thing Dr. Havner was saying is true spiritually. There are things we cannot see until it gets dark. We can never see the extent of God's grace and mercy and love until the difficult times come. That's just when we see it the most. We would never know the depth of his mercy. We would never know the extent of his grace, the power of his love. You know, I, I can ask you, think about your life. When in your life did you grow stronger spiritually? And the answer most people would give is, mm, it was when I was going through tough times. And that's true. Uh, when we go through tough times. That's what happened to Job. Read, read chapter 1 of Job. Whirlwinds, whew, hardly describes what happened to that poor guy. I mean, he lost everything he had. In one fell swoop. But when he got to the end, you read the end of the book, and here's what he says after having those experiences. 
and coming to know how to trust God more and more. He said, Lord, before all of this happened, before I lost all this, I had only heard of you with the hearing of my ears. But now my eyes have seen you. When did he see God the most clearly? He saw him the most clearly in the difficult times when the lights went out. And Paul said, it's when the difficult times come. Yes, it takes its toll on me, but spiritually I get stronger and stronger. Now, it's not only us as individuals that our suffering helps, okay? It, it, actually, it's an opportunity for us to be a blessing to other people. You see, the biblical presentation of suffering is that it is redemptive. It actually brings good things from it. Suffer, I mean, look, look at the sufferings of Jesus. You want to see the greatest example? <laughs> there it is. Okay? But the folks, that's true in a lot of degrees, in, in a lot of ways, in our own life. Have you ever met anybody that they were just sort of so filled with God? Maybe they were just a broken person. And it just like when you talked to them, it was like God just reached out through them and gave you a hug. You know, you ever met a person like that? I hope you have. Uh, well, I, I, I met such a man. He was, a, uh, a, he was in his probably early 50s at the time. He was a, a professor at what's now Columbia International University. And uh, <clears throat> I was sharing with him. Uh, he had been married, and in his uh, early 20s, his wife got cancer and died. And, of course, it left a mark on him the rest of his life. It left him a broken man that God actually could minister through. And I, I was talking with him about that one day. And he said, let me explain that the best that I can, how that happens. And he said something that obviously I remember till today because I'm going to tell you what it was. He said, sometimes God has to do something to us so that something will happen in us so that he can do something through us. Did you get that? Sometimes God has to do something to us. Folks, it's not those things we would have chosen for ourselves, okay? He does something to us. But what's the purpose? So that something will happen in us, just like Paul said, I'll grow stronger, okay? Something to us, so something will happen in us, but that's not the end. So that he can do something through us. That we become the kind of vessels that God can actually work through. That's what happens. Look at verse 15. He says, he's talking about that. When he's talking about how my sufferings are, he said, these things are for your sakes so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Paul says these things that are happening, that are taking their toll on me physically, that are making me spiritually stronger, they're also for your good. Because Paul's saying the stronger I get spiritually, the better it is for you. Folks, that's true of every one of us as church members. When one of us gets stronger, the others are able to get stronger. And so Paul calls that, uh, his suffering was redemptive. Good came out of it. Charles Spurgeon read the book by John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, over a hundred times. Okay? Uh, references to it are just all through Spurgeon's sermons. Uh, outside, number one bestseller for all times in English is the Bible. Second, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. 
Spurgeon said, if you don't have a copy of it, sell your coat and buy one. Get that book and read it. It has been a blessing to thousands upon thousands of people. Folks, listen, Bunyan wrote that while he was in prison. He was in prison for preaching the gospel. And he was separated from his family. And particularly, he said, it broke my heart, my little blind daughter, that I couldn't spend time with. But folks, when it was there, when he was there, he wrote Pilgrim's Prayer. You know, something redemptive came from his suffering because he chose for it too. And then I think of that attorney, lawyer, great friend of D.L. Moody's, such a great friend. He was going to join D.L. Moody in a series of revival meetings in England. And as the ship started to sail, he got tied down in some business in Chicago. He couldn't go, but he sent his family on ahead of him. He was going to come later. The problem is, in the middle of the Atlantic, the ship went down. And only his wife survived. And sometime later, that attorney picked up a piece of paper and a pen, and he wrote, When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, Lord, whatever my lot, you've taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, my sin. Oh, the blessed thought that my sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Folks, how many people's heart has been blessed by that hymn that came out of suffering? And God intends our suffering to be redemptive as well. But I, I'm really not wanting to point so much to John Bunyan or Horatio Spafford. Folks, the greatest example of this is none other than the Lord himself. He kept on keeping on. He remained under the burden of the cross carrying the weight of the sins of the world, alienated from his father, and he stayed the course. And the question that I would have for him is what I had for Paul. How did you do it? How did you stay firm in the midst of it? And he gave us the answer, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says it was for the joy that was set before him. He wasn't looking at his suffering. He was looking at what was going to result from it. Friends, I got some good news. Some of them are sitting in this building right now. That's why he stayed on the cross. That's how he remained under the burden. That's how he kept on keeping on. Okay, Verse 15, as we saw there, it's for your sakes. This is for your sakes. And, and, and then Paul says there's a third thing. It's not only this abiding faith and trust in God. It's not only that he's working out a purpose. Paul has an anticipation of a future reward. Paul kept telling himself this. It's all going to be over one day. All these troubles in the midst of your heartaches and suffering, folks, you need to remind yourself this is not going to last forever. And that is on the authority of the Word of God. Now, there are people that say of us believers, the problem with you believers is you have this pie in the sky by and by religion. You know, everything's going to be okay one day. Well, folks, I, let me give you my own five-second testimony. It's pretty good with me already. I'm not waiting for some pie in the sky by and by only. Let me tell you, 
I believe one day, folks, I believe that one thing, it's going to get better. I believe that with all my heart. But I want to tell you, God's already started making it better now. He's given me eternal life now. And what I have is a foretaste of glory divine. It is coming. We can be absolutely assured of it. And folks, this isn't a blind hope. I love the songs we sang about the resurrection. Folks, the one who made those promises to us is the one who was dead. And he's alive forevermore. The one who conquered death for us is the one who's making those promises to us today. I'll assure you, it is going to be better. Whether we live or whether we die or whatever happens halfway in between to us in this world, God has us in his hand. You can trust him with confidence and it is going to all be over one day. God said, I didn't say, God said, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Folks, in the midst of our troubles and heartaches, we need to be reminded this is not going to last forever. Those precious black slaves, when they used to work out in the heat, picking cotton and working hard, sun up to sundown, but listen, six days a week, and they knew what happened on the seventh. They got to rest. And so many of them, while they were in the fields, they sang hymns. And one of their favorite ones was this. Every day is going to be Sunday over there. Every day is going to be Sunday over there. Folks, every day is going to be Sunday over there for you. Your tears will be wiped away. There will be an end brought to every one of this. That is the promise of God. I mentioned Charles Spurgeon to you a few moments ago. Great preacher. He was visiting one of his parishioners on one occasion. And he was out in the field. And so as they walked in, they were standing next to his barn. As they, well, Spurgeon kept looking up at the barn. The guy had a weather vane up there, which wasn't out of the ordinary. But he had put a sign on it that says, Jesus loves me. And, and Spurgeon kept looking at it. When he started to leave, he said, I, I just got to ask you a question. He said, why did you put a sign, Jesus loves me, on the weather vane? He said, it looks like to me you're saying that Jesus' love for you changes with whichever way the wind's blowing. He said, oh, no, no, preacher, that's not what I mean at all. He said, I put that sign on the weather vane as a reminder to me that whichever the way the wind is blowing, Jesus loves me. Friend, I don't know how the wind is blowing in your life right now. Okay? I hope things are going very, very well. And if they are, be thankful to God for that. But if they're not, and be prepared for the times where they won't be, that you can be assured that there's a God in heaven. He knows, He cares, He loves, and He is able. And he's working a plan and a purpose out in your sorrow and in your suffering. And one day, it's going to be over. And Paul said, that gets me by in my difficult times. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that we are not alone ever. That, Lord, you never leave us or forsake us. 
Father, we thank you that you're not a fair-weather friend and that you're not a God of the mountaintops and not the valleys. And so, Lord, we give you thanks for the precious truths of your word that we can know when we face these whirlwinds that so often we don't understand, that really do try and test our faith. Lord, I pray that that would simply be a faith that is gold that's being refined in the fire, that's becoming stronger and stronger, and that, Lord, through the hardships and troubles that we face, that our faith and our confidence in you would be what's worthy of you, stronger and stronger. And then, Lord, we really can't help but anticipate that day that you have for us when you're coming again for us. And indeed, all of our trials will be over and we will be with you forever and ever and you will wipe away those tears from our eyes. Lord, you are so worthy of our worship and our adoration and our service. In Jesus' name, amen.